Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. Okay. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Texans podcast. We are joined today with Believe in Falcons, Will McFadden. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Will. I appreciate it, Harley. Thank you for having me on. Uh, yeah, so I'm the host of Believe in Falcons with former Falcons fullback Obi Mahaley. I covered the team for AtlantaFalcons.com uh, from 2017 through the 2020 season. And now you can find my written work over at the Falcolic or again, check out Believe in Falcons. But, you know, we also live in the internet age. You can just Google me and probably find everything you need to know right there. But uh, for the next however long, I'm so excited to... Uh, talk which should be a really fun and interesting matchup with you harley yeah i'm very excited to get into the game and everything this is going to be a lot of fun uh there's a few former texans coaches on the staff for the falcons so that's fun uh i think the matchups are going to be interesting and i hope the national media love doesn't get into our houston texans head because that has been the talk everywhere across national media. Houston Texans, CJ Stroud, D'Amico Ryans. That has been banging on the table. So, you know, before we get into that, I want to go ahead and get it for a word from BetMGM or BetOnline, excuse me. Football is back and BetOnline is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-date minutes, stats, news scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest games, odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and CFB at your fingertips with Bet Online's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoffs, Super Bowl Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and context available anywhere online. Head to the website today, use your mobile device, get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV, gets your 50% off to welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, let's get into that because, whoo, that was a mouthful. Let's get into this game. First time doing that, huh? Uh, anybody that's listening, first time solo doing it. No Ruben today, by the way, guys. He is busy uh, with some, uh, you know, some 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 other stuff on the way. So, you know, he's got something planned. We got we got some good plans in the works for the Texans fans everywhere. So make sure y'all are tuning in to Believe in Texans. Will, my guy, Texans Falcons, man. This is this week's game. I am excited about it. Um, but I want a temperature check real quick, man, because I just came off a previous Falcons podcast and the temperature was was a little dark. It was a little sad, man. The, the, the vibes weren't weren't immaculate in Atlanta. Let me know, man. What is the temp check down there right now? It's I mean, it's not great. It's definitely as low as it's been in a long time because pretty much since the 2022 season ended it's kind of just ticked upwards slowly and then at times quickly and the hype around this team certainly here in Atlanta I I think people were reasonable in the amount of yeah was this team contending for a Super Bowl no that wasn't the belief down here but the expectation is, is playoffs. The expectation is win the NFC South. The NFC South is considered to be in a little bit, you know, of a, a rebuilding situation. 
kind of similar to the AFC South in, in some regards there. And that after the two and O start, but it was a two and O start where your second win against green Bay really felt like you captured victory, like out of the jaws of defeat, just kind of the normal way. Right. But it was not the most encouraging win. And so now you're Owen two. your offense has scored 13 points total in the last two games. They have a really hard time getting things going early and the quarterback is not playing very well. Some of the bright spots, the defense looks awesome, way better than even myself. And I was pretty optimistic about the defense coming into the season. Expected Bajan Robinson is lights out. I mean, he is so freaking good. And I think you are seeing the offensive line start to play better after a pretty slow start to the year. But when you have lost two games in a row, everybody does harp on the negatives. And there are some very clear negatives in Atlanta for people to latch on to. So that is why, you know, it's overcast here in the city of Atlanta when it comes to Falcons football. Now, the two wins they have, or the two games they've won, we're both at home. They Their kind of mission this year is to make Mercedes-Benz Stadium a little bit more hospitable, a little bit more of a true home field advantage. So with Houston coming here to Atlanta, I do think that matters a little bit. Uh, if this was a road game for the Falcons, I would like y'all even more than I already do in this one. Um, but it's, 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 it's gloomy with, with a chance of rain. I guess I would say here in Atlanta. Yeah, you know, um, as an outsider's perspective, I saw it as, oh, the Falcons really made some solid moves defensively in free agency. I thought, oh, man, this is an underrated defense going into the upcoming season. Um, and everything, of course, as always, every NFL team is always on the success of the, you know, quarterback. You know, that is just generic yeah. football, <laughs> you know, understanding. So Desmond Ritter, I'm going, oh. Man, they just got B. John Robinson, who I thought, hey, that that guy right there, elite. Everything is advertised. If I mean, y'all in Texas it, were as well equipped to uh, to know how good Bajan is that, as anybody. So yeah, so uh, he was amazing at UT. We saw many games of his. Not a, not a UT guy, but I'm a Houston Cougar fan. Sad days for the hey, Cougars, but. Fair. Shout out uh, David Bassetti, the uh, Falcons uh -huh, uh -huh. senior director of uh, communications, former Houston. Uh, Houston guy as well. So, yep. There, there's a lot of connections between the Falcons and Texans. Um, <laughs> but as a as an outsider's guy, I'm looking at it like, huh? Okay, you got Bijan. Cool. I thought he was gonna fall to the Falcons. Felt like he would he would go there if anywhere he would stop at in draft. It was a matter of when he was gonna get drafted. If anyone would be enamored with him. Um, but I'm looking at it like, huh? Okay. The Falcons tight end, Kyle Pitts, has the NFL's lowest catchable target rate. And then I look at Drake London, and he's at third on the list as well. And I'm like, these are, I mean, you're looking at Drake London, top 10 pick. Kyle Pitts, top five pick. Bijan Robinson, top 10 pick. Like, y'all are investing into this offense. Yeah. And I'm looking at the quarterback position going, hey, man. You gotta you gotta crack out of the eggshell sooner or later. We're happy right now with CJ Stroud. Appreciate everything. Thank you, Lovey Smith. Thank you, whoever. I need a thank for CJ Stroud. It is amazing. <laughs> it is fantastic. Yeah. I don't know how to 
get these emotions out? Because I've never had this in Houston it, history. I don't <laughs> think there's a better feeling in sports, to be quite honest with you, than, and I don't think I'm on an island here, than feeling like you have found a guy. Like, as a young quarterback, I don't think there is a better potential feeling in, but not having, even like drafting LeBron, right? I, I, I still just think if you have a dude who through the, like their rookie season is generational, Andrew Luck, Cam Newton, you know, we saw it in the division. Cheers. Carolina fans were, they were walking around. You couldn't even talk to them, man. They were like, uh-uh. <laughs> We got Cam. You guys are just done for the next 20 <laughs> years. We all know how that turned out. But, yeah. yeah, there's no better feeling in the world. I am envious of you all right now. Yeah, so that's where I pose the question, man. Ultimately, what is what is the, what is is the it right now with the Falcons and Desmond Ritter? How is that feeling right now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the question. Right. And it's a lot of different things. I went and I would encourage uh, actually for a lot of Houston fans, like if you're not aware of uh, the QB school on YouTube, no, yes, it's yes. JTO Sullivan's uh, channel. Fantastic uh, informational resource. Uh, just great breakdowns of, of young quarterbacks. And, you know, he's done several on CJ Stroud. Spoiler alert. He loves CJ Stroud, just like everybody does. Uh, he did one on Desmond Ritter when he played Detroit and it was pretty informative, but it's been hard. And I even felt like JT had uh, a little bit of a difficult time really kind of honing in on like, what is a theme of Desmond Ritter's struggles? Because it's a little bit of, of mix and match. It's an assortment. It's I'll take a couple of these and then a couple of those. And then a couple of those it's, it's a rowboat where just you plug one hole and another one pops up uh, to give you an example Early in the game against Jacksonville, both of of the, the Falcons' first two sacks, I kind of pinned on Desmond Ritter. I thought he got antsy in the pocket and kind of moved into those sacks. And, and he got criticized later in the game on the broadcast for really kind of staring down his first read. Part of that, I, I do think, is by design for the Falcons. They want to make it simple. They want to identify stuff with pre-snap motion make defenses declare and, and say, hey, here's here's your read. It's going to be this or this and get it out and get it to him and we'll keep going. But that really came back to bite Desmond Ritter later in the game when he was picked off for a second time by Andre Sisco on a play that was designed to go to Kyle Pitts. The reason we know it was meant to go to Kyle Pitts is because the same play occurred earlier in the game in the first quarter. Kyle Pitts comes wide open on kind of this delayed dagger where Drake London is running a deep post to run off the safety in the corner. It works, but Drake London also kind of gets open. He gets a step on his guy and the safety is a little bit late to respond. But Kyle Pitts has like three steps on his corner for an easier like 15 yard throw with room to run. Desmond Ritter chooses to go deep to Drake London. It's a lower percentage type of throw, a, a bigger payoff if you hit it. But at that point in the game, you feel like it would have been better to go to Kyle Pitts, get the guaranteed yardage, let him run it up the boundary, maybe turn that into an explosive play. Instead, it's a an incomplete pass because it's broken up downfield. And that's when they tried to come back to it later on. I feel as though the incentive was, hey, get this to Kyle Pitts. He's going to be open here. Take the yardage. And Andre Sisco 
they get a chance to look at the play too on their sideline. He knows it's coming. He breaks and he, he intercepts the pass. So it's kind of not taking the opportunities that are given there at times. It's sometimes it's trusting the play too much and your first read's not there and you get antsy in the pocket instead of just kind of letting the play break down, but making a play within that chaos. And you know, then sometimes it's just the organizational part of the offense, getting guys in and out of the huddle on time, being able to make these checks at the line of scrimmage. He is still eight games into his career as a starter. So he is making some of these young quarterback mistakes. And then kind of the simple through line of all of his starts is there are just accuracy problems where when he does get a guy open, Kyle Pitts against Detroit on a post route that should have been a huge play to start the game. And he misses it just kind of just misses it inexplicably. So that's what I'm talking about when I say it's like a little bit of everything with Desmond Ritter and he'll get stuff cleaned up. He does a good job of kind of not making the same mistake twice. It's just that he kind of can't carry all of the good at once. He's got to always have like one bad in there. He can't, he can't fit all the good in there. It's got, he's got to have like some of the good left out for some of the bad. He just needs to get rid of that bad and make it all good. Hmm. Interesting. You know, he is coming back home and he is undefeated at home uh, so far. So, hey, you know, may, maybe maybe the That's fortunes, true. maybe the fortunes turn for the Falcons coming back home. You did mention they're trying to make the, you know, Mercedes Benz into into a, a hostile environment. Imagine now, huh? if Desmond Ritter becomes that guy. Like, imagine if, if at the end of this season, we're sitting here going into next year. He's still the Falcons quarterback. And we're just like. Yeah, you know, like yeah, they're turning to Chris Collinsworth. Well, you know, Chris Desmond Ritter, fifteen and zero in Mercedes Benz Stadium. The Falcons just can't lose here when he's behind center. It's like, ah, well, yeah, you know, it's crazy what Desmond Ritter does. I could not imagine if if that was just the case. But hey, he's undefeated so far. So far, until the Houston Texans enter that stadium, the Houston Texans are coming off a huge win against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Any generic football fan knows. A win against the Steelers, the Steelers organization has a certain amount of respect when it comes to the NFL. It's not many, there's not many down years for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you get a win against them. That's a good statement win. And the way we did it, 30 to 6, I mean, yeah. absolutely dominated them on JJ Watt Day. Absolutely hyped. I was at the game. I was ecstatic. Wow. I mean, yeah, was, that must have been great. Oh, it was so much fun. So much fun to see an actual franchise be competent again like that was just my bare minimum for you know because the last two years have been rough to say the least for texans fans and this city has been waiting so long you know we, we gravitated towards the oilers way back when uh they left and the texans came on and it was everyone's back on it again. Football is mm -hmm. back. You beat the Cowboys week one, and you haven't done anything really as an organization with David Carr. You moved to Gary Kubiak. Some success there. Enter J.J. Watt in that era. Some more success. Some don't leave out my life. guy, Matt Schaub. Don't leave. We don't love leave Matt Schaub Matt down Schaub. here. Yeah. We love Matt Schaub. He is, he is a, apparently a, a quarterback assistant for y'all. Um, yes. So... You we, know, I remember that trade because to, to tell you a quick Matt Schaub story, when we ahead. drafted him as the backup to Michael Vick, people loved him. He was so good in the preseason, mm -hmm. even though Michael Vick it, like is still the king of Atlanta. But at mm -hmm. that time, I mean, it was just the P 
peak, peak Michael Vick years. Like there was no question that he was the starter, but every team loves their backup quarterback. But like he, everybody loved Matt Schaub. And so there was a game against the New England Patriots. And this was early, like King Tom Brady coming off of Super Bowls, but he wasn't yet, you know, the goat, but he was like Tom Brady's damn good quarterback. Mike Fix out, Matt Schaub's in that game, toe to toe with Tom Brady. So after that game, everybody was just like, we have the two best quarterbacks in the league. (laughs) Like, again, we're walking around like Panthers fans after they draft Cam Newton. (laughs) And then we, we traded, you know, him to y'all, of course. And, and everybody was just kind of like, goodbye. You know, it was like the Wolverine meme where we're sharing at pictures in bed of (laughs) of Matt Schaub. So to see him do well in Houston, we were like, okay, at least we felt kind of validated. I think we're, we were good. We, you were good. After all, we, we knew it. Yeah. We had a lot of excitement in those years. Um, and then there's some dark years when uh, we enter some of Bill O'Brien's era and the redacted mm. quarterback that we had here. We, we call him redacted on our show. We, we, I enjoyed the highs. I enjoyed them very high. Um, and the lows are very, very low. And, so it feels great to have the Miko Ryans in here. It's like a refresh button yeah. for the Houston Texans and this whole organization. Even our owner, Cal McNair, has really refreshed his image in front of the fans as well. Uh, everything about us right now is just just the stove is hot. Like it is hot right now. National media love. Everything is going really, really good for the Texans. I don't know how to receive this. I've never had this before. What do I do? Anybody listening, maybe Patriots fans or or someone that has had much, much success. Hell, Falcons, y'all went to a Super Bowl with Matt Ryan. And sure, we're not going to get into the details because that still hurts. And that hurts me. But damn it, that must have felt great. Like that must have felt fantastic. For a little bit. For a little bit. It's (laughs) tough to escape the end product there i'm trying to focus more on the pre super bowl and and all the just that era of matt ryan you had a quarterback you had tony gonzalez you had roddy white you had a great fantastic team for quite a few years so i'm just struggling on how to receive this this glamour national media love i don't know how to do this all right so i'm going into this game and i'm chugging the kool-aid like there's never been Kool-Aid in our fridge for the Houston Texans. There's been a lot of sour stuff in there. And it's great that we cleaned out the fridge. And I don't know who made this Kool-Aid, but it is delicious right now. And I am ecstatic. I am elated. And I am drinking. I am chugging the Kool-Aid. And I am moving forward with this franchise. I am entrusting my whole fandom into them right now. It just feels like everything they're doing is right. Yeah. And so we go into the matchup. And I'm going, huh, what do the Falcons, what can they do to beat this hot team? I think it starts with Atlanta's defense, which is not anything. You know, you brought up Matt Ryan, you brought up Roddy White, Julio Jones. You know, they like they have always been an offense first team. But this year, really, it's their secondary. It's their kind of second level players that are transforming this defense and that's no slight to the defensive line which they have really done a good job in totally revamping they've got kind of a little bit of a hockey line to rotation thing which seems to be in vogue across the league i've just noticed that uh, a lot of teams are are saying that 
Um, whatever that means, they've always rotated defensive linemen. Um, but I think the key to, or the path to victory for Atlanta to me starts with Jesse Bates and Ryan Nielsen. We saw in week one, Jesse Bates, uh, against Bryce young, you know, the number one overall pick a rookie quarterback as well. He had two interceptions in that game on very similar plays, just passes over the middle. Boom. He undercut him two easy picks. The Texans like to attack the middle of the field as well. You know, they, they made hay against the Steelers, kind of attacking their their Tampa two looks. And I think that what the Falcons need to try to do is just confuse CJ Stroud. I He's been great with anticipation. Make that anticipation kind of come back to bite him. And I think if the Falcons can force a couple of turnovers through the air, then they've got a chance to control this game because I believe offensively you're going to see them come back to the norm a little bit more. I say that, and on the first drive, watch them just flea flicker. Boom, we're going (laughs) big play right out of the gate, uh, which (laughs) would honestly not surprise me. But (laughs) I I do think you're going to see them. Tyler Algier, let's get him going. Cordero Patterson is probably going to make his real first appearance on offense uh this weekend uh so you know you'll mix them in of course with uh with Bijan and that is probably going to be their focal point so if you can force those turnovers on defense again give some confusing looks to CJ Stroud they've liked to play man which is a little bit different than what they did under uh, Dan Quinn and and even under Dean Pease who kind of balanced it out a little bit more Jeff Okuda is playing really well. Uh, it, one game, small sample size, but his first game as a Falcon uh, in the regular season looked really good. AJ Terrell is off to a great start this season. So jam the receivers, the great Houston receivers, kind of confuse some of the looks in the middle of the field, make it murky, and then try to maybe get to CJ Stroud with a blitzer, a simulated pressure, what have you. And create those turnovers, create chaos. And, and that's really where I think the uh, game plan should start for Atlanta. Yeah, I'm glad you got into – we basically are just talking offense versus defense, Texans O versus the Falcons D. Yeah. And uh, so I, I say that to say this, A.J. Terrell, fantastic player. Uh, I think he just follows Nico Collins. He's had a huge game against the Steelers two weeks before, another huge game. Uh, so or three. I've got games. him on many fantasy teams. Well, two, he has been, but <laughs> he, yeah, he has been absolutely amazing in spite of uh, the uh, pre preconceived hate coming from fans with him uh, before entering the season. All of that has gone away. I'm a not lot of familiar Texans, with that hate. What was what was that hate? So a lot of the Texans fans. Um, this is not me. <laughs> I will say that first and foremost. I always saw Nico Collins as someone that. And tan- intangibles as a wide receiver, 6'3, 6'4, um, and can run like a deer. You traded up for him for a reason. I'm going to entrust why did we trade up for him. And I'm looking at, oh, okay, this guy can do similar things to, and I will shamelessly plug John Crumpler, who's also from Atlanta, writes for the Texans Wire, did a piece where Nico Collins could be utilized like Julio Jones in the slot. That was something Julio Jones was utilizing the slot a lot inside Atlanta's schemes during those days. So maybe in, in a lot of fans said, you're comparing him to Julio. No, we're not. No, we're not. Not Julio Jones. Okay. We're not saying that. But 
if you could utilize some of the abilities that he does have being 6'3", 6'4", fast wide receiver, good high catching point, really good hands. C.J. Stroud, we saw on the podium just last week, had talked about Nico Collins and said last year in the film that he saw with him that he was open a lot of the times. Whether or not that was a shade thrown at Davis Mills, who knows? A lot of fans <laughs> wanted him cut before the season. They, um, they, they thought he could get no separation whatsoever. Uh, and that all stems from the previous quarterback. You know, and it's different when you have a good quarterback, a decent quarterback to a great quarterback, in my opinion, in C.J. Stroud. He's played phenomenal. So I have to give him those flowers. Nico Collins on A.J. Terrell, I feel like that's just not – Nico's not going to make hay here this week. Where I see the Texans offense actually doing good in is, sure, you could have Dalton Schultz or whatever. I'm really emphasizing – Tank Dell. I think Tank Dell yeah. is the guy that is going to do some really good work against this Atlanta Falcons defense. Uh, you did mention Jeff Okuda being back and playing well in the small sample size. Robert Woods has been utilized in the slot as well as Tank Dell. So both guys will be interchangeable. They do use Tank Dell outside regardless of his size. He is just a fantastic route runner. I'm a huge Houston Cougar fan. There's a lot of Houston <laughs> bias when it comes to Tank Dell, so I do have to slow it down sometimes. But I do think that he is going to have a really good game against the Falcons. Am I wrong there? I don't think you are. Uh, that being said, you know, going into Detroit's matchup, and, and honestly against Jacksonville, like the Falcons have done a pretty good job of shutting down some pretty talented passing uh groups and groups that have that versatility you know groups that have a, a few guys who do different things that being said i think tank dell is is a little bit of a unique matchup that the the falcons may not have experienced um so far so in, in that regard i'm curious to see do they have jeff okuda who has that fluidity that technique mm -hmm really like his you know, mobility in and out of breaks to mirror that type of quickness. Uh, do they have him kind of shadow tank Dell a little bit, or do they trust D Alford who is a uh, former CFL player, but really shined last year in a small role for Atlanta and then earned just outright earned the, uh, the nickel corner job for Atlanta. And so far this season, he's had moments where he's looked really, really good. He's had moments where he's been picked on, um, do they trust him to go after Tank Dell? I, I think he too has some of that quickness that you you like in the slot to mirror a player like this. I don't know if they have anybody who can match that that top end speed. You know, maybe Jeff Okuda uh, can can do that. So I would expect, you know, how do they how do they use their safeties? Does that force their hand um, in some way? That's the cat and mouse game that is going to be so much fun. To watch in this one because I, I do think that Houston has some of the physical talent that can stress a defense and it's not just CJ Stroud making incredible plays or the scheme being lights out it, it is truly like these guys can win their one-on-one -on -one matchups and that does force you to pay attention as a defense play caller and as these players on the field so you can't always just attack 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 
mm-hmm. which is kind of what I want them to do in this matchup. So that's going to be really fascinating. And it is a strength on strength type of deal. Um, so Tank Dell could, could be an X factor in this game for sure. Yeah. And, you know, as much as the Texans passed last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, they still were honest and continued to run the ball with Damian Pierce, who had his best mm-hmm. game last week. Um, I do still wonder how much of a factor our interior offensive line is going to be against your interior pass rush. I say this because the Indianapolis Colts game, we we had Jarrett Patterson. We are presumed the, the starting offensive line for practice, by the way, for the Texans, Laramie Tunsil, Titus Howard, Jarrett Patterson, Shaq Mason, and then George Fant. So we should be having Tunsil back. Wow. We should be having yeah, right. Yeah, again, guys some back. Okay, some first stringers. That that's I don't know what that is in terms of offensive line because the offensive line has been a nightmare for me to read and try to figure out. So I'm just glad that yeah, that people are kind of coming back at least all at once. It makes it easier for me. We've had backups, third stringers, guys that we traded for. I mean, shout out to Kendrick Green. He is going to be on the IL IL or IR. Excuse me, out for the rest of the season. Torn meniscus. Um, but he had a great game against the Steelers. But I do say that the interior against y'all's interior, I said that because the Colts game, man. We, uh, Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner, and yes, these guys are top of their class, but that is nothing to go away from Grady Jarrett and the other guy's name because I cannot say his David name. David Onyemata. Yeah, there we go. And uh, DA. And uh, <laughs> we'll go with that. And uh, I say that because, man, Jarrett Patterson struggled heavily against Grover Stewart. Any hole that Damian Pierce had, it was, oh, Grover Stewart just swallowed that up. Oh, the forest bucket. It was like hungry, hungry hippos. It was just yeah. ridiculous. And so, and it's nothing against Patterson. He's a six-round rookie. Yes, he's improved every single week. His best game just last week against the Steelers. Um, but that's a tall task to go up against this Atlanta interior rush. That is my biggest worry. What do you think about that? You're right to identify that as the strength, certainly, of the the defensive line. I would say that David Onyemata is playing just as well, if not better, than Grady Jarrett right now. And that's not a slight to Grady Jarrett. That's praise to uh, to David Onyemata because both guys are, are playing excellently. Uh, David Onyemata had a sack and a half last week um, against Jacksonville. He's been very disruptive. They're kind of interchangeable as that three technique, two eye kind of look um, that they like to do. They really are kind of depending on their inside linebackers, their safeties to fill gaps. So it is a single gap defense. So in terms of that interior blocking scheme, you know, you're going to have guys coming downhill and hitting some of these gaps. It's not just going to be, all right, punch. And then, you know, guys are responsible for two gaps, like you may have seen um, against Pittsburgh or, or some other teams in the AFC. Calais Campbell is is going to be a little bit of an X factor here in the run game. Like that's that's where I think his biggest impact has come so far. He's been really really good at just you know block shedding, you know punt, straighten out, shed, and then make the tackle. He's obviously really long, um, but yeah, it, it is going to be the interior those A gaps, the B gaps with the linebackers. The Falcons like to blitz and bring that simulated pressure 
from the inside, especially you'll get guys like Caden Ellis. Nate Landman is a backup linebacker who has been filling in, right? You know, for the foreseeable future, will be filling in for uh, Troy Anderson, who has done oh, for the man. year. And they, you know, the Falcons had really high hopes. He's in his second year, ultra athletic linebacker. You know, he would have been ironically a player that would have been fun to watch against Tank Dell. I'm not saying they would have walked him out there, you know, line him up and man coverage. But if you are looking at some of these different schemes, you know, you could run a Tampa two and maybe trust Toy- Troy Anderson to kind of get back and retreat fast enough to uh, match somebody like that. But he's not in the game. I'm not going to spend any more time talking about hypotheticals. <laughs> so I, yeah, it is going to be, if, if the pocket is really tight on CJ Stroud, it's probably coming from the interior. So I do think you're right to identify that. So my question is, you know, I guess how has CJ Stroud been moving laterally? You know, I know he's pretty solid when he needs to step up into the pocket or even when that pressure is kind of in his face. I love the, the retreating like Aaron Rodgers little like wrist flick with uh, anticipation that he he's got. But if he's got the pressure in his face, how is he kind of moving side to side? The pocket awareness and the pocket maneuverability has been really great from CJ Stroud. It is mm-hmm. just something that it's, it's just weird to see from a rookie quarterback, his exponential growth in four weeks has been crazy. I saw all of them in training camp as much as I could have gone. And every single week of training camp, he got better. Every single week in preseason, he got better. And in every single week in the NFL, he's gotten better. So he started the year in midseason form is what you're telling. (laughs) I guess so, right? Like, (laughs) I I just hope it continues. I'm so excited about it. But, yeah, his pocket awareness has been – Fantastic. The play you're talking about was he was going up against Alex Highsmith. You had a tight end. I want to say it was Dalton Schultz missed that crack block. And Alex Highsmith's about to nail him. And he just literally does, like you said, Aaron Rodgers kind of back steps and boom, flick pass. Here's a low pass, Nico. You got to catch it. Nico calling sure hands, catches it and keeps going for a little bit more. It was a it's fantastic to see. So, yes, his pocket awareness is is high. It's very well. And it's a good job by Bobby Slowick as well, our offensive coordinator. Yes, you know, he can do whatever he wants, but it still has to translate onto the field. And C.J. Stroud's done a good job of that. But Bobby Slowick and his coaching staff, what they did against the best pass rushing defense yeah. in the NFL with – practice squad guys in the offensive line backups to the backups, zero sacks. Like that I mean, is CJ Watt wasn't even close. Yeah. Sniff them. Like yeah. it was just crazy. And I'm looking at the play designs and I'm like, Oh my God, you got John Mechie people, John <laughs> Mechie who had leukemia, who came off a torn ACL and he is in motion going and they hike the ball and pops TJ Watt and is blocking TJ Watt on multiple occasions. Yeah. And that right there is just, I mean, A, that's going to translate to more snaps. But B, to me, the most important thing is this coach and D'Amico Ryans has our team sold. Because when you got guys that, that they're going to do, yeah, coach, I'll do that for you. Yeah. <laughs> me? Oh, buddy, I'm good. I'm good, man. TJ? No, no, not no TJ. 
Uh-uh. It, no it reminds me a lot of Atlanta's offense in, in that you you get that buy-in from the receivers. You need to have the guys that are able to yeah. do that. I honest, I didn't know that was part of John Mechie's game, so that was yeah. interesting to find out. But I, when I was watching Houston against Pittsburgh, it I, I do think that Houston, because of their personnel, because of the quarterback, they do tend to go five wide and just, hey, CJ, you're in shotgun figure it out kind of deal much more than Atlanta does, but especially early downs, they bring everything in. You've got kind of those flex bone tight ends or receivers that are split back and they use the receivers and the leverage and the angle blocks to spring that outside zone or stretch zone run game. It looks very similar to some of the stuff Atlanta does. And I, I don't think that's necessarily you know, by accident, when you consider the backgrounds of the Gary Kubiak, the Alex Gibbs, that whole kind of scheme that ladders up to the Shanahan uh, whole model. And and it it is really interesting. I think offensively for Atlanta, this is a little bit of a, a strength on weakness uh, matchup with their running game and Bajan's ability and Tyler Algier's ability to break tackles. I'm curious I, I I view that as the weakness of Houston's defense is kind of their run defense and just the reliability of, of making tackles. Am I right about that? Exactly. Um, I mean, even last week, sure, we held the Steelers to six points. But if you pay attention to the second half, the Steelers came right out the gate and said, OK, we're going to run the football. And the Texans did not have no answer for it for quite some time. Sure, there was a stop here and there, and they got big stops when they needed to. But, man, many times, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, they were just breaking the seams, going up, whether it was outside, whether it was in the gut. I mean, the weakness of this Texans defense is in the interior. It's the interior defensive line. And there's nothing against Sheldon Rankins. He's done a good job. But, you know, it takes more than just one guy. It takes a village, as always, you know. (laughs) And Malik Collins is a really good pass rusher. Um, in the interior, but his run stuffing ability is lacking, you know, and there's not a lot of depth behind it. And that was something I was worried about this season. They got a Hassan Ridgeway, but he's not going to be playing this game. He got on the IR after the week one Ravens game where he was fantastic. He knows the scheme. Uh, he knows D'Amico. He's a former 49er. So mm-hmm. he knows a lot exactly of former uh, 49ers. Ex- exactly. And he did a fantastic job. He's not going to be there. So, oh, well, boo-hoo, Kurt Heinisch steps in. Uh, Kurt Heinisch is who Kurt Heinisch is. He's a third defensive lineman that on most teams is either the fourth or practice squad guy, someone that continues to get, you know, interchangeable within the 53-man in the practice squad. It's nothing against Heinisch. That's just who you got right now, man. And that is something that the Texans, I thought, could have improved this offseason. But that is a weakness of this team is the interior. You definitely have B. John Robinson and Tyler Agier. And it scares me to say, hear you say that Cordero Patterson could be back. And I'm just not very happy to hear that either because (laughs) (laughs) we saw the struggles uh, against them last week. And it's something I don't. I haven't seen too many teams. Again, we're only four weeks in, but I do wonder how many teams are going to, okay, look at what the Steelers just did in that second half. 
Could we hone in more on running the football against the Texans? How are they going to stop it? How can we employ it more into an abundance amount and getting more of those seven, eight? You know, that's the biggest thing you don't want. You don't want Bijan to get rolling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, You're not going to stop him. Like, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> the stress test is coming, my friend. If, yes. if that is, if you're worried about, that being the blueprint for teams, you're going to find out on Sunday. Oh, exactly. Because exactly. the, you know, I think, I think Houston's game plan right now, and this is absolutely what it should be. It should be, hey, we're going pedal to the metal on offense. We want to build a lead, which has yeah. been an issue for the Falcons. So Houston on the season has averaged six points in the first quarter, you know, across their four games, eight points over the last three. So let's just say a touchdown in the first quarter, the Falcons 0.8 points in the first quarter. So the math <laughs> likes Houston to come out ahead seven, nothing after the uh, first quarter, which is just a long, complicated way of saying Houston tends to start fast and Atlanta has not this season. That is a real concern for me in this game. If Houston is able to, again, through their passing game, because I think that that is the strength of this team right now is just, hey, let's keep funneling through CJ Stroud, right? Give him yeah. the ball, give him the ball. If they're able to get out to a 10 nothing lead, right? That is something the Falcons don't want. It's what threw them off of their rhythm and, and kind of their game plan against Jacksonville last week. They want to get off to a fast start, but even if they don't, they need their defense, which has done a good job of keeping this game close. They're going to run the ball. They're going to be patient. They're going to have the attempts on the ground, or at least in the quick passing game, which I think they're beginning to view as an extension of the run game. Uh, I haven't asked that question explicitly, but that's just what it looks like to me. And they're, they're going to really punish Houston's run defense, unless if Houston does jump out to that fast lead, this year, at least, you know, when they got behind Jacksonville, they did turn to Desmond Ritter a little bit more than I thought they would. So who knows? But they're, they're going to give the ball to the running backs, I, I think, a lot in this one. And, and Cordero Patterson, in his early season games with Atlanta, has been just kind of lights out. So, you know, who knows? He he Maybe he's the X factor for Atlanta if he does, you know, see more than like 10 touches. Yeah, I, it's it's fun to think about. And, you know, with the Texans defense, the interior is a weakness. The rest of the defense, though, specifically their, our secondary, has been a strength for us. And this is even without Derek Stingley. Steven Nelson. Steven Nelson, just, man. He's ooh, so good. Yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. I mean, uh, Ruben, my host, he was like, dude, Steven Nelson's the best cornerback in training camp. And I'm like, man, that's including Derek Stingley. You know, mm -hmm. Derek Stingley had himself a fantastic training camp. He's out for the game, by the way. He's on the IR. Um, but, you know, that's where I'm like, okay, you got Steven Nelson. Tavier Thomas is going to be coming back for this game off of hand surgery, broken wrist surgery. I mean, dude, I, I thought he was going to be out for a few more weeks. And he's like, no, I'm good to go. Successful surgery. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I wonder Wolverine, if he's a man. wrist. Can You could probably brace that, right, and just make it a club. And like, you don't need so. to turn your wrist at all. I don't know. Yeah, no. I mean, we had a club a game doctor. in Glover Quinn. So, you know, way back when, who knows, <laughs> but he is back and he played fantastic at the nickel position uh, for us uh, earlier this year. He had really good 
uh, play from the nickel during his time two years ago when Lovey Smith was only the defensive coordinator. Um, so we hope that continues to translate. The secondary, specifically our safeties, Jimmy Ward, Jalen Petrie, they're both playing for this game. And the trend with this Texans defense, week one against the Ravens, you only had one of them in Jalen Petrie. Uh, you had a fantastic first half. Second half, Jalen Petrie gets a knee in the chest, bruised lung, out for the rest of the half, and the Texans defense didn't look the same. Both safeties are out against the Colts. It's their worst game played defensively. Week three, Jimmy Ward is back. Best game played defensively to, to that point. Week four, both of them, Jimmy Ward, Jalen Petrie, are back against the Steelers. Fantastic game defensively. Mm-hmm. So they're both playing against the Falcons. They're going to be healthy. And that, to me, does not bode well for Falcons fans. I believe Jalen Petrie has himself a big game. He is someone that has helped against the run, mostly because they do play Petrie right at the line of scrimmage sometimes. They like playing him closer to the box. Uh, and he can also play out. He is just a fantastic athlete, someone that is a under-the-radar if Jesse Bates is the best safety in the NFL, Jalen Petrie is coming for that title. That That is as much as I would say about Petrie. I think he's that fantastic. Um, how does Atlanta, with the chess match right there, offense, the passing game for Atlanta, go up against our secondary? I would say at this point in time, I'm probably giving the edge to most defenses against Atlanta's passing attack regardless of how they're playing or the personnel like Atlanta does have some some real issues to figure out with its passing game there there are moments where you know a third and 15 you know that seems to actually be the the magical down and distance if if Atlanta's facing third and 15 you guys just just go ahead and start walking back it's going to be a first down because Desmond Ritter can like rip a ball into Mac Hollins on a third and 15 on a comeback route or whatever but that's <laughs> that's kind of the only time that it's just looks the way it should outside of that. It it's just been disjointed. There've been missed deep shots when they've tried to connect on them. You know, the point I mentioned earlier about kind of Kyle Pitts missing him the first time around getting picked, trying to go to him the second time around it. They're not taking necessarily the, the chunk yardage that presents itself that they weren't expecting that's kind of the the improvisational skills and it surprises me to say this but they're just not really there yet with Desmond Ritter it does seem very I don't have the answer to this question or this test or whatever the oh the defense isn't doing what I expected and and the plan is either not there or you know not gotten to quickly enough for x y or z reasons and that's why like at this point in time I I would favor through the passing game uh, most defenses, but Atlanta is Bajan Robinson has done a great job of kind of mitigating some of that through his just own athletic ability. A great option, maybe the best just total emergency option is just a check down to Bajan Robinson, and he then can make three or four guys miss. So that could be where the tackling issues trump some of the coverage abilities that that Houston has if if you just get it to guys quickly then it becomes an open field game and and maybe that does favor the Falcons because they've got physicality at wide receiver and they've got shiftiness and agility with Bajan unlike anything I've ever seen 
So that would probably be the game plan. The other thing would just be, you know, jump balls down the field. I Kyle Pitts for the lack of production is still a phenomenal athlete. I mean, he is running by safeties and corners when he gets those releases, either Desmond Ritter's just not looking his way on those plays or the ball's not going where it, it should. And it's off target a little bit. So, you know, to your point about him having the highest, uh, you know, uncatchable percentage or off target percentage uh, in the league. So that's kind of my, my big issue with Atlanta's passing game. What you said though, about uh, Petrie playing close to the line of scrimmage, right in the box. I kind of think that's what Atlanta wants you. If you can get those guys in there tight against Detroit, you know, I, they made me eat my own words because I was, I was getting asked all week by uh, Detroit media members, all right, should we just load the box? And I was saying, I think that's what Atlanta wants. And then Detroit totally blew up the line of scrimmage against Atlanta. So maybe Houston makes me my own words and I'll find different words to say in the future. But right now, (laughs) I think Atlanta wants to bring those guys in and then get the edge on them. Get Caleb McGarry out there in space. Drew Dahlman at center is terrific at pulling from that position. They do a lot of the way that defensive lines use twists and stunts to get angles on offensive linemen, the Falcons do that with their offensive line. And you'll have Chris Lindstrom, you'll have Kayla McGarry kind of kick in on a pass block and Chris Lindstrom kind of leverage block mm. the defensive end. It's really cool and it's fun to watch. So I would be, you know, a, a very interested to see what they would have designed for a defense that does like to keep that box safety down close to the line of scrimmage. And I would expect you see them really try to out leverage them with some of these wide receiver crackbacks, get the tight ends in there. Uh, I kind of think that's playing to Atlanta's favor a little bit. Hmm. Okay. Okay. That's rather interesting. You know, all righty, Will, we're getting near the, we're getting near the home stretch here. We're getting here to wrap this one up. Falcons are facing the Texans. We're going to y'all's place. What is the prediction? Will? what do you got right now? If you have a score, if you don't, up to you, but what do you got? I I mean, all week I've I've felt like Houston is is a team that's really clicking right now. I see no reason why that should stop. You know, I I, I think Atlanta's defense being their identity and being a, a part that is playing really well for real. You know, it's not been fluky through the first four games. They've they've played good offenses, they've held them in check. Uh it's it's been very impressive. I think that they will at least hold Houston's offense down a little bit. The issue for me is I just don't trust Atlanta's offense to really do much at this point, even with Bajan. You know, so I I see this being something like a twenty four to fourteen or seventeen point game, and I, I just see that being more in Houston's favor. Right? They've got the capability offensively to put up thirty. So I think holding them to 24 is, is a little bit of a win for the defense. And who knows, maybe one of those seven of those points come via Houston's defense. We saw Atlanta turn the ball over for a pick six last week. That's the type of, of thing that's in play. But I, I see something like that until Atlanta's offense shows me that it can really put up points at a consistent clip. I have a hard time trusting it right now. CJ Stroud has zero interceptions going through four weeks of NFL football. It's unbelievable to see what he's done as a rookie. 
Uh, the Houston Texans just seem like they're the damsel right now that everyone's loving to look at. And I love them, man. I, like, it, I, I really do. They're good. It's crazy, man. I don't know what to do with this attention, you know, so – uh, but I do know what to predict. It's 24-13 Texans. That was my prediction, actually. Okay. So I, I had a 24-13. I'm going to respect my the Falcons a little bit more. I'm going to say we're not going to drop 30 for the third week in a row. We had 37 against the Jaguars, 30 against the Steelers. The Falcons' defense is a solid defense, and I do wonder when does Damian Pierce have – you know, yes, he had a good game last week, but mm-hmm. you know, we yeah. saw these huge games from him last year where he, he's too I mean, good to to exactly. keep being held down like this. And, and sure, you know, we can say as much as we want. It's the offensive line. It's the offensive line. You know, good running backs, man. Sooner or later, you got to overcome the talent deficiencies at the O line, and you just got to do your thing. And he did it last week against the Steelers. Maybe he gets back on track. Who knows? I see another zero interceptions from C.J. Stroud going through five weeks of football, but I do think 24-13 is the prediction. I am excited about this team. Um, I am I'm very excited about this team. <laughs> I you should be. Good. I'm happy it's, for it's, you. It's just crazy, man. I'm, I'm not asking it. Like, if anything, this feeling right now, you've already won this season because a month <laughs> and a half ago, you you never would have expected to feel anything close to even if the Texans somehow finished with you know six wins or whatever. Maybe yeah. it was like, all right, we won a game, we got a two-game win streak in weeks yeah. six and seven. We won another game in week 10. Like for them to to be this exciting this early, like bask in this, man. Even if if it doesn't go well the rest of the year, <laughs> these like these two weeks are gravy. Like they're, they're better than anything you guys expected and now expect bigger because you guys yeah. are capable of it. Hey, CJ Stroud said at the podium, he wants Texans fans to feel pride whenever they put their gear on and damn it, I'm strutting my stuff. I don't know about any other go. fans out there, but That's I'm what strutting it's all about. It, man. We are excited here. Will, I appreciate you coming on the Believe in Texans podcast. You got anything to share for anybody? Let them know right now. Uh, yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me on, Harley. This was a, a blast. Again, I'm I'm really excited for you guys because it, it's so much fun to have that feeling. Um, you guys can check out the newest episode of Believe in Falcons is up. I uh, talked with Cole Thompson, uh, who covers the Texans down in the area. So he gave me the lowdown on uh, on Houston on the show. Uh, so again, that is up. And then Ovi Mahaley and I will have our thoughts on the outcome of this game bright and early Monday morning. So if you want to hear our thoughts, win, lose, or draw, hopefully it's not a draw. Please, God, not a draw. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> you guys can uh, can check that out. Everything I write is over at thefalcoholic.com. You can find me on Twitter at Will McFadden. But again, Harley, this was a blast. Thank you so much, man. Awesome. Everybody, y'all can find me at the lead underscore H-O-U on YouTube and all of social media. Make sure you're tuning into the Believe in Texans podcast as well as the Believe in Falcons podcast. We got a lot of crossovers coming y'all's way. So we do appreciate everybody that tuned in, everyone that's listened. Thank y'all and y'all have a great night. All righty. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.